Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. Well, God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, his church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. These verses have always been in the Bible, so it's not like they're new, but they're being raised to the surface now, and we have not done a good job overall in the church of training, especially younger people, how to read the Bible so that these things don't catch people off guard. Every single one of them, there are responses uh, to, to be given. We're in a TikTok world, you know, like two or three minute short clips that certainly sound convincing when they're done with authority. And I believe that's one of the major problems is I, I kind of blame us in the church that we have not done a good job in teaching these things to youth, young adults and adults as well. Hi, and welcome again to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe. What does our modern secular culture get wrong about the Bible? Well, true, many of us, especially our younger people, are facing a lot of interesting twists and denials on the Bible. And this brings up an important question. Are we discipling Christians, especially our youth, to have a good understanding of the Bible and how to correctly read it to see through all these contortions of God's Word that we hear these days? Well, Gabe, as you and your team try to help people think well, these are important questions, and thus, today's conversation. I want to move into this amazing conversation I just had with Dan Kimball. Dan's been around this community for many, many years, been a speaker at our conferences, been somebody who has always been an innovative leader. And I've always loved that about Dan. He practices the things he talks about. He writes books after he's lived it out for a while and learned the ins and outs of it. And then he helps all of us with what he's learned. And this particular topic is so important. And and the topic is around, it's called how not to read the Bible. And it's dealing with the debunking that's going on around Scripture. And we know here at Q Ideas, like we we base what we believe on truth that is grounded in God's Word. And that is so essential to us. But in our cultural moment, a lot of people want to debunk Scripture. Can it be trustworthy? Is it truly authoritative? Is it fiction? Is it real? All these questions. And our kids are growing up in an environment where they're being challenged by these questions. And sometimes parents don't have good answers. Pastors don't talk about it. And we kind of leave them open and vulnerable, and we need to address it. And so Dan addresses that in his new book, How Not to Read the Bible. He's one of the founders of Vintage Faith Church in Santa Cruz. He's also a faculty member at Western Seminary and leads the Regeneration Project, which exists to equip and encourage new generations to think theologically and participate in the mission of the church. He and his wife, Becky, have two daughters, and he's just a great leader and somebody I think you're going to enjoy just hearing his perspective on why he wrote this book, what are some of the major questions and the places where people are getting thrown off their faith around Scripture. And I'm going to have him address a few of those. But I'd encourage you, this book is one way that you can go a lot deeper. It's one of those I think every one of us needs on our bookshelf, as I'll say, in our conversation. But let's welcome now Dan Kimball. Well, Dan Kimball, so great to have you on the Q Ideas podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I am uh, in Santa Cruz, California. It's a cloudy day, but it is a very good day. Well, Dan, you have always just faithfully 
tried to work out what does it look like to practice the kingdom here on this earth and through the church and through ideas and gathering people. And so I feel like every time we talk, I'm learning more about the kind of questions you're answering on the ground. This is never theoretical for you. This is real world, real life, having conversations. And I feel like the new project that you just released called How Not to Read the Bible really goes after that and displays that so well. And so thanks for being with us because I got lots of questions about this because number one, the title of this book, How Not to Read the Bible, is helpful because so many people have their way of reading the Bible and they think it's the only way to read the Bible that we get a lot of confusion that starts to happen. And I feel like that's what you were going after, but I want to hear it from you. What made you want to go after some of these major subjects specifically through this lens of how the Bible can get confusing for people? Yeah, I I think you said it. It's pretty much being in ministry uh, in a local church in the same town. Santa Cruz is a pretty progressive sort of uh, mini San Francisco on the beach, you could say. So it's never a dull moment that way. But I I don't think it's just Santa Cruz. I think nationally, um, there's two things going on. One is that many Christians and new generations are not super knowledgeable of the Bible story and have overall, some have, but overall have not been taught how to read the Bible. And so overall, they have like a lack of um, Bible understanding. And at the same time, there's all of these deconstruction stories happening and a lot of atheist activists uh, that are online trying to really tear down the Bible. Uh, And I understand why they're doing it, but... um, uh, what there's, so there's kind of like a collusion of those two things, lack of understanding of the Bible by Christians. Yeah. And when I say atheist activists, 98% of atheists are loving, kind, wonderful people that leave Christians alone. And there's just a, some that are very active trying to disprove, you know, religious faiths. So I'm talking about those specific ones. And they are very active online, uh, putting up graphical memes with Bible verses that are confusing Christians and so we have a lack of Bible understanding with a active, uh, let's prove the Bible wrong happening, yep. and it's causing a lot of confusion. Yeah, and and I'd add to that something you mentioned briefly, but you have an uneducated world of young Christians, adult Christians, who really never were equipped well in how to think about Scripture and all the difficult passages. And so that's why I appreciate it. You just jump right in. You're like, let's deal with it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the things that are confusing or the things that do get taken out of context and used and and kids just don't know how to respond. I mean, talk to teenagers all the time who their friends bring up these memes you're talking about or or different YouTube videos that are debunking Christianity and using scripture as its way to do it. And it's always leaving out so much information, important context that would make sense, but you know, kids are giving it like 2 minutes. It's it's not like they have time to go as deep. And so I appreciate just how you did this. And and your subtitle is Making Sense of the Anti-Woman, Anti-Science, Pro-Violence, Pro-Slavery, and Other Crazy-Sounding Parts of Scripture. So I just want to jump in and and, and let listeners just hear a couple of these. And, and let's just start with, like, like, the one today that feels like is probably the most prevalent that people reference is the idea that Christianity promotes misogyny, it's anti-woman, I mean, there's a few of these, but that's a big one. Uh, how do you address things like that? Yeah, and I would say, you know, for uh, I totally understand I, it's confusing because what's going on is you'll see um, you know, verses like out of 1 Corinthians, 
Bible verses that'll indicate, you know, uh, straight from the Bible, you know, women be silent, do not speak up. It's a it's a disgrace for a woman to speak up in a church. You must go home and ha- ask your husband the questions there. So you'll see these specific Bible verses put out on graphics, you know, with a woman with her mouth taped shut. Uh, national news about a guy that puts um, this Bible, that very Bible verse in the back of his truck, and he's challenging Christians to read your Bible, because if you read your Bibles, you'll see it's filled with anti-women rhetoric. So if I'm just seeing those verses, I'm naturally going to get very confused, and they do sound extremely anti-women at first glance. But as you said, you can you're reading the Bible incorrectly, so you want to look at how not to read the Bible, and it's just looking at those verses by themselves. And if you go back to the story of Genesis all the way through Revelation, you'll start seeing that uh, after the fall, Genesis three, when human beings went against God's guidance and sin infected the world and us, there was a patriarchal culture that developed, for sure. But you'll see, this is the beautiful part about knowing the whole Bible story. You'll see God intervening into a human culture of patriarchy and elevating women and giving them leadership, uh, some are prophets. You'll see Jesus in the New Testament change things even further in an extremely uh, anti-women culture even at that time. And verses like the one that I just mentioned can't, at first sight, they seem really um, anti-women, but when you start looking at it, Paul, in that specific letter to the Corinthian church, three chapters earlier, was saying for women to prophesy and pray in church. So it could not, in a church meeting, it could not have been, you know, uh, women be totally silent, go, and it's a disgrace to speak up, or else he's contradicting himself from th- three chapters earlier. So there must be something more going on. And when you look into it, there was learning styles at the time. There's some different thoughts of how women uh, women and men should have been in a posture of silence before in, uh, asking questions in that specific culture. But it certainly makes a great meme, and it's confusing seeing those things. Yeah. So, you know, I'm giving you a very quick explanation to a, um, a long thing there. Sure. Well, your book does a great job with several chapters yeah. where you just you unpack this, which I think is what's so helpful about the resource that this is. It's, it needs to be on everybody's bookshelf. Because when these questions come up, you know, it does take a while to understand, well, what is the, what's the bigger story here? What was the context? What, were, what was it that um, Paul was referencing in that particular passage? How does that align with the 18 other places where this is discussed? And, um, you know, the other area that I want to bring up is just that God is violent. I mean, we hear this all the time. The Old Testament uh, in particular is this this writing that particularly uh, shows a God that's angry, that wipes out entire nations and people. And that seems to be the easy one. That's the one that people go to and go, how could you have a loving God if he does this? And and what are, what are some of your key points when you're trying to address that argument? Yeah, again, uh, I totally, I mean, for anyone listening, I always want to verify, I understand why you think that, because uh, at a surface glance, it does seem like that if you're pulling things out and just looking at little bits and pieces. Uh, When you look at the entire Bible story from beginning to end, you first see God's character, you know, and and what he says about himself the most uh, in starts in Exodus and many other times, loving, compassionate, forgiving. And so how do those things equate with God's character that you'll see over the entire Bible story? 
And then you start looking at the specific situations. And there are times when God did use violence. Now, many of the Bible stories with violence do not, uh, they're, they're human beings that are taking violence without God's instruction. So there's a lot of violent stories in the Bible, but it doesn't mean God was behind it. The ones that God was behind, it was with intention, with so much warning. Uh, it's generally uh, giving everybody the opportunity to change, to leave. Uh, and there's always uh, reasons for it. And he was not, God is not just using violence randomly. Um, it was not a, you know, there is, I keep saying it because there's so much to talk about with any of these topics. Uh, it was done in, in certain situations, and, if, and when you learn to trust God, when violence was used, generally in warfare, it was for a purpose, and every single time, you'll see people had time to change their minds and then uh, uh, move towards God instead of rebelling against God. Yeah, and and I think so. Again, it's yeah. very quick. <laughs> I know. It's, um, and I and I yeah. in a twenty minute conversation. Of course, we're not going to be able to unpack these in deep yep. detail. But your resource, how not to read the Bible, does that so well. Um, what did you okay, find? What's, in, what's in, going on? Go, I was just going to say, what's going on is like what you said earlier. This is the critical part. Is that a lot of uh, in churches? These verses have always been in the Bible, so it's not like they're new. But they're being raised to the surface now, and we have not done a good job overall in the church of training, especially younger people, uh, you know, how to read the Bible so that these things don't catch people off guard. Every single one of them, there are responses uh, to, to be given. But as you mentioned earlier, we're in a TikTok world, you know, like two or three minute short clips that certainly sound convincing when they're done with authority. and. And I believe that's one of the major problems is I, I kind of blame us in the church that we have not done a good job in teaching these things to youth, young adults and adults as well. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, as you venture into this kind of a space where you're trying to articulate these ideas that have a lot of history to them, are part of a text that's taken very seriously by certain communities and others, it's just looked at as as a rule book that beats people over the head. I mean, it's, it's a complex thing to try to navigate. And I'm curious as you went through this, I mean, did your confidence just keep growing? I mean, as you, as you tried to dig in, you're like, okay, I got to dig into this. I've maybe taught about it once, or I, I kind of understand the theme here, but, but then you started looking in and did you start to learn even more as you went down this path? Yeah. Cause this is, I mean, I hope this is true for everybody. That's a Christian. You know, if, the scriptures are wrong. I would want to. I would want to uh, follow another faith or something. Like, the scriptures. It, it what it caused me to do. I always say like, all right, how do I know I'm not just believing something that I heard from my seminary professor or the church I grew up in? And the more I looked into every single one of these, some I didn't study in in as depth before, but um, my confidence in the scriptures actually grew more. Um, it, and then when you see these type of things, it doesn't undermine your faith, uh, because then you understand there are responses. Uh, but I can, again, I can tell you this, my confidence has grown up, I'm sorry, grown further and I can't, uh, the scriptures are just alive and true. So there are reasonable responses to all of these. Yeah. So one of these other big categories that you address is science and that Christians are anti-intellectual, that the Bible and science don't line up. And that has become a huge point of contention really in the last century. That just, that just became a dominant brand. 
that Christians have been walking out now, and, and some of them trying to fight that so hard that it seems like the pendulum swings the other way. But what is your take as you've uncovered this uh, for somebody listening, haven't read your book, and they kind of, in the back of their mind, they're like, yeah, I think, I don't know, the Bible's not the best science book, so how, do, how, do, how am I supposed to think about that? Like, what, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, one, uh, you know, God, defy, God defies science all the time. The resurrection is a miracle. There are miracles that are unexplainable by science because God intervened in time and history and performed miracles, right? So um, those type of things that are in the scripture, such as the resurrection, you can't explain by science. But where the church has, I'd say, I don't know, maybe too strong a word is failed, but we have tried to use the scriptures sometimes as a science, uh, a source of a science book. And obviously a lot of it's about the creation story. And as you uh, mentioned, like the book goes into a lot. So I can just give a little piece that when you study Genesis, you have to go back to who it was written to, why did God write it? I mean, three people. And the questions that we have today in our scientific mind and worldview, are not the ones that God was trying, was giving to the people of Israel wandering in the desert when Moses compiled and wrote those books. So uh, when, when you understand that, it then makes total sense. So it just erases all of the tension. And it's not, this is so important, it's not undermining the scriptures. If you know me, I take 100% of the scriptures one hundred percent inspired by God. They're authoritative. They are powerful. They are all God inspired. This is not taking them lightly at all. It's trying to do a better study of what was God communicating to the original audience, and that generally is why we get so mixed up on all the science stuff because we're trying to look at the Bible like a scientific manual, and it wasn't written to be that. Yeah. Well, I know you don't just write about the challenge of this and, and inform people, but you practically, I know you've got involved in creating seminaries and different spaces that are going to go deeper in understanding scripture and t- catch me up. Like how, how's that process going? What are you learning as people start to understand and uncover the richness of scripture and its authority? And, and, you know, that, that word kind of gets thrown around a lot. Like I believe in the authority of scripture, um, but it's not always easy to define. People assume a lot when they hear that about what somebody is saying. So maybe you could bring some articulation to that idea. What is the authority of scripture? But I also want to catch up on yeah. how you're seeing. Like, what authority in- means to me is that if God inspired these words to be written, I want to do everything possible to understand what he wanted us to know. And then I yield my personal thinking my personal, maybe it's like, I wish it was like this. I will yield my Dan's thinking to what God has instructed us and given us as guidance in the scriptures. So in that way, the authority simply is, I'm not God, God is, and this is what he's given to us. So I want to yield my life to that. But then I want to study it all the more to make sure I'm, uh, you know, I'm following in the right way. And that's why reading the Bible is important. Now, and here's the good news. Like, it's so great because uh, if we start teaching, like, you know, our friends at the Bible Project, you know, with Tim, Mackie, and John up there, what's so fun is seeing that there's actually interest in the Bible when we start doing this. And I just think we've been kind of piece, you know, piecing out bits, making it such a how-to manual for every area of life. 
And we're now getting some uh, major kickback on that because we have not taught people how to read it in the right way. And when people do, there's great response. We're in the Bay Area. We've been putting on an event. Um, I haven't told you about this lately. You know, we've been putting an event on in San Jose, and it's the largest event in the Bay Area that's not a concert uh, with a band type of a thing. That is, and young people are coming to hear how to understand the Bible more. And so I think there's a lot of interest in this when we start just providing answers in our tone in a loving, kind way, not just in an abrasive, try to prove other people wrong way. Yeah, no, I think the the interest in Scripture, I feel like it's just going to keep rising. I mean, I've heard more and more people going back to Scripture. Now, this is a lot of Christians going back to Scripture and getting their head in the Word of God right now. Because when you go through confusing times, chaotic times, you're looking for some source that sits outside of just the information you're receiving every day that changes that you don't know if you can trust. And I can see God using that in a big way to just enliven scriptures for people and then to remind us that this is active, this is helpful, this is this is where you find, you know, your your strength and your foundation. Um, how are you seeing that integrated now with the training that you're doing with different pastors and leaders? Because um, I know it's it's just always been so important to you to to not just talk about it yourself, but to disciple and train other ministers and people who are who are going to be on the front lines with how to read and interpret and teach scripture. Yeah, I mean I I also serve on uh, as a professor at Western Seminary and we and I have a passion I I, I don't know if sounds like a cliche like a burden but what's going on in a lot of churches is you hire leaders from within if they're skilled in leadership or music leading and you have these uh folks on staff in the most critical roles interacting with the upcoming generation, and they're generally are almost the least trained in theology and Bible. And so I have a strong desire to see as many youth pastors, young adult folks, music leaders, church planters, you might have great leadership skills, great singing skills, but uh, if we're not in tune and in uh, understanding how to theology and Bible, we're going to be in trouble because then we're not representing the truth well to those that we're leading. So we started a cohort at 50% discount with our cutoff price because Western Seminary is believing in this. And and so, you know, we do these events I'm, and I listen to these stories. So it's not just a local Santa Cruz story. It's happening all over the place. Deconstruction stories are are good, but they're also sad because I think we should be deconstructing all the time. Anything we hear like, where did it come from? Where What's the source? Am I just hearing this? I want to deconstruct it and think through anything I hear. But what's going on is then I'm seeing their answers, and so sadly, so many of the answers are just poor, poor, they're not reading the Bible well either to come to their conclusions that they are, and then using poorly executed Bible study methods uh, to then come to answers that aren't accurate, then using those to to say, I'm abandoning faith, or I'm going in a different direction or something. So um, that's why it's so important. Yeah, I mean, getting getting scripture into the hands of a layperson to better understand how to answer the difficult questions is becoming critical. Like you said, in a lot of our churches, there are people in these positions where they're responsible for a small group, for example, and they're hosting this conversation in their home. They get questions. People kind of expect that they're going to know how to answer, and they just don't know how to because they haven't been properly trained or equipped. And, and some of our churches no longer do classes like that. And you know, so much has just changed in the medium of how church is taking place today in some places. This is, of course, not, not everywhere, but in the probably the most prominent 
places that we talk about a lot, some of this breakdown is starting to be noticed, and it's been noticed over the last many years. And so there are course corrections happening. I think this resource is one of those types of course corrections that would be really helpful for any leader who finds himself in any kind of leadership position around Scripture, around trying to equip and disciple people, to take that matter seriously. God holds us at a high account if we take on the role of teaching. And I think this is the sort of resource that will help people. So Dan, thanks for the ways you lead. Thanks for being faithful to everything God calls you to. I'm sure at the first ideas that he gives you sometimes never make sense. And then you start to play them out and see how he's using it. And so I just appreciate your pioneering and innovative vision and how you apply that to kingdom practice. So thank you. And thank you, Gabe, for your faithfulness too in all these years. All right. Well, thank you for being a part of that conversation. I hope it was encouraging to you. You got a few nuggets from Dan just about the way he's thinking about this, ways you can address some of those bigger, difficult questions about God, about Scripture, about the Old Testament, the New Testament. Uh, But most importantly, I hope it just stimulates in you the desire to learn, read, understand that we do have good answers to these questions. I mean, this is why people throughout history end up, some of the smartest, most intellectual people, artists, thinkers, go through all of their life, and then they come back around to the Christian faith. I think C.S. Lewis's story is one that's very similar, where they look at all the faiths, and then they come back and go, nothing answers the age-old questions the way the Christian faith does. It answers humanity's biggest questions, and it answers them in the best of ways. Uh, and, And I think that's what Dan's goal is here, is to help us just build a confidence in that, so that these things don't need to be debunked. There's good answers, but we need to take the time to get into them. Mm, Exactly. Well, as we wrap up this week's Q Ideas, again, Dan's book is called How Not to Read the Bible. To get it or check out more of Dan's writings, plus learn about his regeneration project, well, visit the website dankimble.com. Again, this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lines, and if you like the conversations and talks you hear each week, remember there's a lot more to help you stay curious, think well, and advance good on the Q Media platform. Yes, a lot of the talks you hear on our show, plus there's lots of other extra curated podcasts and videos and Really, it is a great resource for you and maybe your team as well. You can request a free 30-day trial subscription at qideas.org. Again, at qideas.org. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. Thanks again for joining us for Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. On behalf of Gabe, have a great week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.